even the best of husbands can make mistakes. Some are small and easy to overlook and to forgive, but some are devastating because the hurt is deep. The commitment and the trust in your marriage has been broken, and you're unsure if it can ever be repaired. We know that God tells us to forgive, but how? And is it even possible to ever get past this and to move forward to a happy, loving marriage? I can assure you, ladies, that yes, it is absolutely possible. God has done this in my life, in my marriage, and He can do the same in yours. Join me today as we look at navigating how to forgive our husbands and to move forward in our marriages. Let's get started. Welcome to the Faith Lived Out podcast. Are you wanting a loving Christian marriage but are unsure what that looks like or how to get it? Do you have fears about becoming a submissive wife, afraid that you'll lose your identity or become a doormat? Do you have thoughts that maybe you're doing this whole wife and marriage thing all wrong and you want to know how to do it right, to stop worrying all the time and to learn how to truly put your faith and trust in the Lord? Hey girl, I'm Nancy Adamson, wife, mom, and Grammy to seven sweet babies, Christian mentor, Bible teacher, speaker, and women's ministry leader. I see you and I get you because I've been there, and I'm here to share with you what God has taught me on how to have a loving biblical marriage and what the true meaning of being a submissive wife really looks like. We'll also chat about how to find wisdom and truth for life's challenging questions in His Word, how to apply God's truth to our lives, and to put the cares and concerns that are on your heart safely in the Father's hands. So if you're ready to learn how to live out your faith every day and follow the amazing plan that God has for your marriage, grab your coffee, pull up a chair next to mine, and let's get started. Before we get started with today's show, I have a very special episode that I want to tell you about. Have you ever wanted to know what the thoughts, wants, or opinions are of a man? Like, what do they think about women and marriage? Well, ladies, we're going to find out. My husband has graciously agreed to answer all of our questions in an upcoming episode. So if you have a question or a topic that you have wanted a man's opinion on or what his thoughts and feelings are, here is your opportunity. Just go to the Face Lived Out community page on Facebook and let me know what your question is. There's going to be a video on there that you will be able to see and you can comment to that. You can leave a post, whatever it is that you want to do. If you want to leave it anonymously and not have anybody know that you're asking this question, that's totally fine with me. I'm totally okay with that. I don't need to know who asked it. Also, if you see a question on there that you're like, oh yeah, I want to know what that answer is, then like it because that way I'll know, oh, there's more people who want to have the answer to this question and we'll make sure that we cover it in the show. All right then, on with today's episode. Our husbands are to be our closest friend the one that we put our hope and our faith and trust in to love and to cherish us, the one person in our lives that we are to be able to count on, the one that we always go to for comfort when someone else hurts us. 
So when they lie or keep secrets from us, when they become involved in the worldly sin of drugs or pornography, or when they break their commitment of love to us by being unfaithful, the hurt is all the more devastating and deep. Ladies, I know this because I've been there. Years ago when my kids were small, it was during the time that my third child was born, our marriage hit a rough patch, to say it lightly. Things were said and done that were very hurtful. The trust and the commitment to one another had been broken at the time, and I wasn't sure it could be repaired. I had no clue as to what to do or how to even do it or to you know, try to get my marriage to be fixed or how to save it, but God did, and I sought the Lord, His wisdom and His guidance all day, every day. I was at such a loss for what to do that I came to God with everything. Every thought, every conversation with my husband, every decision was brought before the Lord, and I prayed for him to direct my steps and to guide my heart, to let me know when to be quiet and to when to speak, and when I did say something, that he would direct my words. God was amazingly faithful in this. He taught me how to forgive and to let go of the pain. He worked in my husband's heart and brought him back into a right relationship with him, and he worked in both of us to rebuild the trust and the commitment in our marriage. As difficult as this time was, there were also benefits of what we went through. We realized just how important our relationship was and that we weren't together because we felt that we had to be, but because we wanted to be. You know how someone will say that you don't know what you have until you fear losing it? That's what this was for us. We've now been married 40 plus years And that little baby is now a mom and has a family of her own. God gets all the glory for this because he was there with me every step of the way, guiding me and working in both of our hearts to bring us back together and in a right relationship with him. If you are going through something similar to this, ladies, take heart. God will do the same for you as he did for me. God wants your marriage to work and to be all that he designed for it to be. And he absolutely will help you every step of the way if you are willing to seek his will and to follow his ways. And he is the God of the impossible. We have this promise written to us in Mark 10, 27, and it's written in a few other places as well. And the promise is directly from Jesus. It says this, but but Jesus looked at them and said, with men, it is impossible but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. Believe it, ladies, it is true. The only way through this is with God to guide you in your specific situation. So be in prayer fervently and often all throughout the day, praying for him to guide your steps and to guide your tongue. That's very important because we have a tendency to say things without thinking. So make sure that you are in prayer. We also need to know how to forgive. And there are key components to forgiveness that we learn in scripture. And the first one is what we are to forgive. Is there anything that is so hurtful, so heinous that we are not asked to forgive it? Well, let's look at what scripture tells us. And in Ephesians 4.32, it says, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And then in Colossians 3.13, it says, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. 
If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. So clearly we are to forgive others the way that Christ forgave us. So then how did Christ forgive us? When we grieve the Holy Spirit by disobeying his commands, how does Jesus forgive us? Well, in 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus died on the cross for all of our sins, not just for some of them. Therefore, if we are to forgive others the way that Jesus forgives us, then we need to be forgiving of everything. And notice too, in the scriptures that we read from Ephesians and Colossians, that there are no parameters given for if and when we forgive someone, or if there's an instance that we are not called to forgive. We are always called to forgive. It also doesn't say forgive them if you think that they deserve it, if the hurt isn't too bad, or if you think that they have truly repented and won't do it again. It says, bear with one another to be kind, tenderhearted, and forgive them in the same way that Christ forgave you. So no matter what your husband has done, how he has hurt you, you are still called to forgive him. And I know this is so much easier said than done. And the hurt is difficult. And we wonder if we're ever going to be able to get past it and if we can ever truly forgive and let it go. But remember, All things are possible with God. Now, with this, there is one little caveat that I want to say, and that this does not mean that you do not remove yourself from an abusive situation or one where your husband's sin is going to cause you or your children to be in physical danger or to have legal problems with the authorities, where you or your kids are going to be caught up in his sin. In 1 Timothy 5, 21 and 22, it says, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. Do not lay hands on anyone hastily, nor share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. And then in Psalms 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. When it comes to people who are around us, such as our friends, our neighbors, or co-workers, if there is a possibility that you can get caught up in their sin, Scripture tells us clearly that we are to disassociate with them. We are not to be walking with them and sitting with them, but we are to flee from them and to disassociate ourselves so that we don't get caught up with their sin. However, because of the bond that we have with our husbands, only in such cases that we are in fear of physical harm or legal action against us, are we to separate from them but not divorce them with the hope and prayer that they will be restored to God. We are still called to forgive in these situations, but we are not called to stay in an abusive relationship. We are to flee from sin and contact the authorities. Okay, so let's move on to how many times do we forgive someone? And in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22, Peter asked this very same question of Jesus. And it says, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. 
That's 490 times. So basically meaning that it is too numerous to keep track of. There is no limit to our sin against God, and there is no limit to his forgiveness to us for those sins. Therefore, we are to forgive others in the same way. There is no limit to our forgiveness of others. The next key component of forgiveness is that it includes letting go of the pain. In Isaiah 43, verses 24 and 25, it says, But you have burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me with your iniquities. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. When Jesus forgives us, he remembers our sins no more. We are to do the same. Jesus does not bring up our past. He doesn't say, oh, hey, remember when you did this and I forgave you for it? He doesn't do that to us, and we need to make sure that we're not doing it to our husbands. Not that we will or that we need to completely forget what has happened, because we learn from it, so we don't need to completely forget about it. But true forgiveness means not being angry or resentful or bitter when it crosses our mind. It means not throwing it in our husband's faces anytime that we're angry at him. And it means not using his past sin as a reason for never trusting him again. This is vital to moving forward because you cannot move forward with your future if you are not willing to let go of the past. So then that brings us to how do we move forward in our marriages? The first thing is to choose to love your husband. Jesus gives us a commandment to love one another in John 15, 12, where he says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. If we are to choose to love our fellow believers, how much more so should we be choosing to love our husbands as well? During this difficult time in my marriage, I remember going to the park and praying and thinking, and I knew that I needed to make a choice. Do I still want to stay in this marriage? Do I think that it can work? Or am I just ready to give up and to let go? And God reminded me of the things about my husband that I had loved about him, why I fell in love with him in the first place, and the fact that I had felt that God had brought us together and this was the person that he had chosen for me, even though I had been hurt deeply. When I looked past that hurt and I realized that none of those things that I loved about my husband had changed, those things were all still there. I also thought about what kind of future I wanted for myself or for my kids. Part of me thought, this is way too hard and painful. I just want to give up and walk away and let it go. But then I realized that as hard as that was going to be, a life of divorce, custody battles, child support, and sharing my children for the next 18 years was going to be much, much harder on all of us. And I didn't want that for my family. So that day I made a choice. I made a choice to stay and to love my husband, not because I felt that I had to for any reason, but because I wanted to. I wanted him to be in my life and in my children's lives. Choosing to love our husbands means showing them that we love them even when we don't feel like it. Not only in the good times and when things are going well, but when things aren't going well and you're having a difficult day or life is in chaos and falling apart. It's loving his attributes in spite of his faults. 
It's choosing to love what he does for you and not worrying about the things that he doesn't do or that you don't like. It means letting go of some of those expectations and choosing to love your husband for who he is and not for who you want him to be. Above all things, have unfailing love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. This is what we are told in 1 Peter 4, 8. Our husbands are not going to be perfect and we shouldn't expect them to be. Find ways to show that you love him even when you don't feel like it. Those feelings will change as you do this and as you work towards in making a choice to love him. You can do things like cook his favorite meal or make his favorite breakfast for him or pack him a lunch to go to work. You know, guys actually really love that kind of thing. When you pack them a lunch and send it off to them to work, take care of maybe some of his household chores, take the trash out for him or mow the lawn or do something so that when he comes home, he sees that it's done and that he doesn't have to worry about it anymore. Purchase something that he's been wanting just because. Not because it's his birthday or any other reason, but just because it's like, hey, I thought of you, I know you wanted this, and here it is. Make it a point to do the things that he has asked you to do. Set those things as a priority. If it's, you know, going to get his laundry from the dry cleaners or picking up something, you know, at the grocery store or running an errand for him, whatever the case may be, but make that the priority so that when he comes home, he doesn't hear, oh, sorry, babe, I forgot. Because really what that is to him is I forgot you. Okay. So Make those things a priority, and those are ways that we can show that we love our husbands. For me, choosing to love my husband means choosing to not be late. He hates it when we're late, particularly in going to church, because that's the one place that we go to regularly, and I am generally late for. And so I have made a choice that I am going to show love to my husband by making sure that I am ready on time. I have not been late for church in several months now, maybe even a year, because I have made this a priority because he is a priority for me. The next one is to choose to forgive. This is a choice and something that we have to deliberately set out to do because it's not easy and we need God's help in this as well. Forgiveness is a choice and we read in Matthew 5, how to begin the process of forgiving. It says this, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. We are called to love our enemies, to show them the love of Jesus in the same way that Jesus showed it to us, even when we were way deep in sin and unlovable. We are to bless those who curse us and do good to those who hate us. This is actively seeking ways to bless them. And we talked about these in choosing to love your husband. It's the same kind of thing. In Proverbs 25, 21 through 22, we also read, If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For so you will reap coals of fire on his head, and the Lord will reward you. This goes back to choosing to show love to our husbands, even when we don't feel like it. Even if you can't do this, if you can't show love to your husband because of a feeling that you have for him, then show love to your husband out of obedience to Christ. And God will be there with you and reward you for that. 
And then it says to pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. So pray for your husband. Pray for his salvation if that's what's needed. Pray for God to change his heart and for him to become a man of Christ. Pray that you will see him through God's eyes. You know, sometimes we need to ask God for that prayer in this because we don't know. We don't always know what our husbands have gone through or somebody else that we're trying to forgive, what they've gone through, what their past is, why they behave the way that they behave. But God knows. And sometimes when we allow God to show us that and to have that compassion and that mercy and that understanding for our husband's then we can have a little bit more of that grace and that mercy for them and be a little bit more forgiving towards them when we see how God sees them. So pray for that. If you want some more information about how to pray for your husband, there is episode 53. Um, It's praying for your husband for real change in your marriage. So you can also go and listen to that episode for more information on this, praying for our husbands and our marriages daily and fervently is a requirement today because there is just so much going on in this world and in our marriages to break them up. All right, so on to the next one, work to rebuild the trust in your marriage. This is something that we absolutely cannot do without the Lord. In the beginning, we must put our trust in God because we're not going to be able to put it in our husbands. It's going to take some time for that. But knowing that God is faithful to protect us and to keep us in any situation, that he will help us to overcome our hurt and our fears so that we can begin to trust in our husbands again. Others may tell you that you're a fool for trusting in your husband is certainly something that ran across my mind when I was going through this, but don't listen to them. Remember that with God, all things are possible and God can absolutely make changes in your husband's heart. He can rebuild the trust in your marriage and make it better than it ever was before. He did it for me and he can do it for you. Both you and your husband each have a role in this. As the one who has broken the trust in your marriage, your husband must work to rebuild it by making his life an open book. He will need to be willing to be completely transparent and have the understanding that this will take time. So he needs to have patience. Having no secrets, keeping nothing to himself and being completely above reproach. He will need to be understanding of when you have concerns and ask questions, knowing that this is all a part of the consequences for their actions. And I realize, ladies, your husband may not be willing to do this at first. And if this is the case, then pray. Pray for God to work in his heart and to bring him to this kind of wanting to rebuild the trust in your marriage. As the one who has been hurt, you also must work at rebuilding this trust and not going out of your way to look for, you know, why can't I trust him to be sneaking around and looking at his phone and looking at his Facebook and calling him all the time to find out where are you and what are you doing? We need to work on that. We need to work on building that trust on in him and giving him the benefit of the doubt whenever possible. You know, ladies, when we, you know, know our husband's passcode and we go and we sneak into his phone to check up on him, then we are being untrustworthy. We need to make sure that we're not doing that. If there is something that God wants you to know that your husband is doing that you need to be aware of, trust me, he will let you know in his perfect timing, 
He will let you know. But he wants you to put the faith in him to trust him, and he wants you to put the faith in your husband to trust your husband. This is what it takes to be rebuilding the trust in your marriage. In the beginning, there's going to be a lot of concern and there's going to be a lot of questions, but as long as there are no new evidence of mistrust, then this will taper off over time. Trust me. The enemy is certainly going to intervene in this. He's going to do his best to cause doubt in your husband in every way possible. And we're going to talk more about that in a minute. But know that if you will continue to put your faith in the Lord, then he's going to help you with those doubts. When you are having doubts, ask God for wisdom and discernment, for God to guide you in this, in that, is this something that I truly need to be concerned with? Or is it coming from someplace else, some unwarranted fear? When we're having feelings or some kind of notion that we can't trust in our husbands, then we need to look at where these feelings are stemming from. Are they from a preconceived idea as to what we think men are like or what we think our husbands are like, what their motives are or what they may be thinking? Are they unwarranted doubts or fear put in our minds by the enemy to cause problems in our marriage? Or is there solid evidence for the basis of your mistrust? Something that you absolutely cannot refute and give any other explanation for. When we have these feelings of mistrust, there are ways that we can ask questions without, you know, giving them that feeling that we don't trust them. And we can still get the assurance for ourselves to have our questions answered without, you know, belittling them or letting them know that we're having a hard time trusting them. So we do this by asking them questions in a way that does not question their motives or their actions. So I have some examples for you for how to do this. And these are simple ones. I realize that, but they make the point well. So think about if you had asked your husband to go pick up a birthday gift for your son. And when he comes home, instead of asking him, did you remember to pick up that gift for Johnny's birthday? Like I had asked, you could say instead, oh, hey, where's that gift for Johnny? I want to get it wrapped. So see, you're asking him the same thing but not in a way that is belittling him or saying that you didn't trust the fact that he got it done. Another one is this, that your husband was to take your car in for service. And instead of saying, did you take my car in for service like you said you would? You could say, how did it go with the mechanic today? What did he say was wrong with my car? These are ways that you can ask this without like I said, belittling him and making it feel like you don't trust him because nobody wants to feel that they're not trusted. A tougher one is when we happen to see that text message on their phone from a woman that you don't know. Not that you snuck into their phone because we've already talked about that, but you happen to come across it because you were doing something else in there, whatever the case may be. Even with this, it is not helpful to start throwing out accusations of mistrust. We can simply say, I saw a text from so-and-so. Is that someone that you work with? How do you know her? Still, even with this kind of question, he may get defensive. Let him know that you love him, that you are working to rebuild the trust in him, but this kind of thing doesn't really make it easy and that you will need his reassurance from time to time. And we do need that. This is a process and a process where you may take three steps forward and one step back. And that's okay. That's a part of the process. 
If we stop and think a minute, there is always a way that we can bring to light what it is that we need to know to calm our fears without belittling them or showing them that we are lacking trust in them. The next one is to watch out for the enemy. This is very important, ladies. In 1 Peter 5, 8, we read, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And he does, all the time, over and over and over again. And trust me, he is after our marriages. I mean, think about it. What better way to cause lasting damage in a person's life than to mess up their family, than to make it dysfunctional, than to cause divorce. That is the best way to be able to do that. And you, you know, you hit three or four people when you do that. So the enemy is always after our marriages, always after breaking down that strong bond that we have between a husband and a wife or that you and your husband have with God. So be watchful for him. Be aware that the enemy is going to do all that he can to cause enmity between you and your husband. He will remind you of what happened in the past and cause you to dwell on it and dwell on the pain that you felt at that time. He will give you fear that it will happen again. He will fill your mind with thoughts of hurt and resentment towards your husband. He will tell you that you're a fool for trusting in him again. And he will make you feel like you're never going to get past this, that there is no hope and that things will never change. But ladies, these are all lies. Because as I've said, with God, all things are possible. The enemy is just trying to break up your marriage. In James 4, 7 through 8, it says, Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That is what we need to do. That is where our focus needs to be. During this time when we were rebuilding the trust in my marriage, the enemy would cause me to have fears and doubts all the time. He would bring hurtful things to my mind. And when this would happen, I would go to the Lord in prayer and I would ask God to just take those thoughts away for the enemy to flee and for God to guide me and to only fill my mind with thoughts of him. And if I prayed over this for a couple of days and there was no basis for the doubts that I had because there were none, I would pray over this. And if I couldn't seem to shake it, if I couldn't seem to let go, then I would go to my husband and I would talk to him about it. And I would just let him know, hey, I have these thoughts. I'm fairly certain that they're from the enemy and he's just messing with me and trying to cause problems. I haven't seen any cause to doubt you. And I just need to tell you this so that it goes away. Because, you know, the enemy likes secrets and he likes us to hold on to things and to have them fester within us. But if we tell it, if we let it go, if we let it out, then there's no secrets anymore. And there's nothing there for the enemy to be able to work with and he flees. And that's exactly what would happen in this. I would tell my husband my thoughts and we would chat with about it for a minute and then let it go. And it never came back. So when you talk to your husband, let him know that you are doing your best to trust in him, but you just have this one thing that you need to talk to him about and to let go. That you don't want to be harboring any of these feelings and having these things inside of you and causing problems. And then the enemy will lose his power and go away. And please know this, ladies, it takes time. 
All of this takes a great deal of time. Getting over something like this doesn't happen overnight, not in a month or even two months. When I was going through this, I had read somewhere that it takes a year to move past the hurt feelings and to rebuild trust in your marriage. And I really thought, really? Like, that's a really long time, a year? But you know what, ladies? That's about how long it took was a year. So, you know, it's going to take that long and it's okay. It's so worth it. Was it easy? No. Was it worth it? Absolutely. I have never been sorry for the decision that I made that day. I have always been thankful to the Lord for His guidance and for working in our hearts and lives to restore our marriage. So if this is something that you are going through today, that you are dealing with in your marriage, remember what true forgiveness of God is that we are to forgive others the same way that Christ forgave us, forgiving everything, all unrighteousness, that there is no limit to how many times that we forgive someone. And forgiving someone means remembering it no more. It means not harboring the pain and the suffering and the hurt, but to let those things go and to move past them. Know that to move past this in your marriage, you will need to choose to love your husband every day, no matter how you feel about him. Choose to forgive him for what has happened in the past and what happens in the future. Rebuild the trust in your marriage. Work at this every day, all day. Watching out for that enemy because he is going to come up and he is going to try to cause problems. And ladies, give it time. It will take time to heal, but it is so worth it. And may I just add, to keep your eyes on Jesus, to guide you and to give you strength in this. Have a blessed day. Thank you so much for listening today. I pray that God has used this episode to bless and inspire you to live out your faith in Him. If it has, please do me a huge favor by leaving a review on Apple Podcast. This is the only way that I know if you like the show and you will be helping others to find this podcast and be lifted up by the Word of God. Is there someone who came to mind while you were listening today and you said, ooh, she needs to hear this? Well, then send her the link so she can be encouraged too. Are you in the Dallas area and looking for a fresh new speaker to add excitement to your next luncheon, women's retreat, or other women's event? then drop me a note at nancy at faithlivedout.com and let's chat about it. That's nancy, N-A-N-C-I, at faithlivedout.com. I would love to come and meet with you and the ladies in your group. You're also welcome to visit the website at faithlivedout.com for more information, blog posts, journaling ideas, and free printables. Or become a part of our little community of believers by joining the Faith Lived Out community group on Facebook, where you can join together with other faith-led wives and moms just like you. Links to these areas and the scripture references used in today's episode are in the show notes. Ladies, thank you again for listening today, and know that I am praying for God to be with you as you learn to trust in Him more and to live out your faith every day. God bless you and see you on the next episode.